0: from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN.
1: Welcome back or welcome to the Sports Huddle. A little after 5 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon hopefully you are with us for the four o'clock hour and have come over past the top of the hour break if you're just finishing up the day or getting in the car I have an opportunity to tune in, and you're just joining us. We appreciate you doing that. Remember, all our interviews are available in our audio vault, ESPNRichmond.com. Dave Rigert, voice of the JMU Dukes, was our guest in the 4 o'clock hour. Mike Burnup from the Virginia Tech Sports Network. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. We'll be our guest here in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, uh, this has been a little disjointed because I've kind of gotten my thoughts and opinions in during different segments of the first hour, 804-327-0888 is our number to call in or text 327-0888. So the NCAA today uh, denied the waiver request of Joe Bamasiel at VCU to play immediately because he has previously transferred a couple of times. Started out at Virginia Tech, actually started out originally committing to Northeastern, Never did go there to Northeastern, had a knee injury, wound up going to Virginia Tech, then transferred to George Washington, then transferred to Oklahoma, and has now transferred to VCU. And there have been some extenuating circumstances here. I'm not going to be the one to say that there haven't been. His dad, for crying out loud, had open heart surgery, so he has. And Joe himself has had some mental health situations uh, in which he has felt depressed and isolated, And, you know, all of that is very serious stuff and needs to be addressed. And he said himself in his long expose today explaining why he submitted the waiver, uh, he has had help at, at these institutions, that there have been counseling and there have been people who have helped him along the way. But he did feel it was in his best interest at this point to come back home. To be back in the greater Richmond area for the family reasons and for his own personal health, and I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, but I also don't disagree with the NCAA saying, "Look, uh, you've transferred several times already. We are trying to crack down on this. And if I'm the NCAA, I'm telling Joe Bamsil and his family, we actually think it's in your best interest." to take a year away from basketball. He's going to disagree with that, and VCU fans are going to disagree with that. But I do think you can make a case for that, that through all of these personal situations, he has tried to play through college basketball. In some cases, he's had great success. At at GW, he had a terrific year. He was an All-Atlantic 10 player. I think he was second or third team All-Atlantic 10. He averaged like 16 points a game. Um, for 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 GW, um, so in some cases he had success doing that and still taking care of his academics and his personal life and his family and and all of that at Oklahoma, not so much. Uh, his playing time was reduced. Um, you know they had more competition for spots on that team and for minutes, and it didn't really work out for him there. And then he had the situations at home that caused him to come back home. He actually missed some time with Oklahoma in dealing with this. Missed some practices. He actually missed a game out there um, in January of the year he he was out there, I think in twenty two twenty three, and came back home. Credit to him to do that and to make his family and himself the priority in this situation. And these are all the reasons to me that the NCAA would say, Wait a minute. You've, you've tried it that way. Let's try it this way. We, we want you to be involved with a college basketball program, but we do think it's in your best interest if you're able to balance and focus how much basketball, uh, how much time you put and attention you put to basketball, how much you put to classes, how much you put to yourself, how much you put to your family. And the best way to do that would would for you to sit out a year. You're still able to practice with the team. Um, You're you're obviously going to be around them, and you're going to have a scholarship waiting for you next year to finish your collegiate career. And I understand he wants to graduate, uh, and he probably could still do that. I I assume I don't know if this is a grad degree at this point for him or not, but I, I do think he could slow down the course load so that he does have some more time, and he doesn't have the pressure of playing in a game two, three times a week for five months, uh, and I just think the year would help him. Now, I'm going to throw one more thing out here, two more things. Number one, obviously VCU wants them to play. They're in need of players, like many schools. Richmond was one of them as well. Uh, they were they were short guys on their roster, and I think VCU is either right at it now, the 13 scholarship limit, or maybe still one below it. And and Bamaseel will have his scholarship for both years to, to play next year um so i get it and i get that he wants to play right away and they got a chance to be really good and he can contribute to that and there will be playing time for him this year as coach odom kind of you know gets his guys in there and figures out rotation he would get every opportunity but i think he would next year again as well and i i understand that he wants to play immediately and vcu wants him to play immediately but i think you can make a case here and apparently NCA has that a year sitting out games isn't the word that could really help him um, to kind of relax a little bit. The culture of VCU, um, you know, help his teammates. You will see the game a lot differently. He'll be a, a scout team guy. He will help them get better. Here's the one thing that I am I'm thinking about on this case as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you are forced to sit out a year, if you are the transfer sitting out a year and you cannot play you're not traveling you're not supposed to travel with the team either figuring you know if you're not going to play why be on a road trip um the cost of you know meals and hotel and travel and you could stay back and go to classes for that day or two Uh, in some cases less than that if it's a weekend game it's even less than that um that you that you would not be a part of the team and i can understand That being a tough situation for Joe Bamasiel and for others. And as he said, he's had some isolation issues, some depression issues. Um, I could see that. Like the team gets on the bus and leaves, and you're left kind of standing at the curb. And I mean that figuratively, not literally. But he would be back in his dorm room, or he'd be back in his apartment, or he'd be in class when the bus leaves, or, you know, he'd be in the d hall. Or he'd be in the gym practicing, you know, by himself or with a support person, whatever. So I could almost see you making an allowance. Says, you know what? He can even continue to travel with the team. Their road trips are not ten days long; they're not a week long. Uh, they're usually overnight, and the, and he could still be a part of the team. So from a mental standpoint and an emotional standpoint, you know, he's very much a part of the team. And he, if he's away from his family, he may make the choice. You know what? The team's going on the road for so this could be a three-day trip. I'm, I'm staying back. I'll take care of my classes. I'll go take care of Dad. I'll go help Mom with work, uh, all of that. So, again, I'm, I'm making the argument here that this is not a punishment in my eyes. And, again, I am coming from a different era. Uh, I am not part of the um, – what was the phrase that, that uh, uh, one of the coaches I talked to used, the, the microwave generation? meaning, you know, instant gratification, instant success, got to have it all right away. I've seen it enough times where guys have thrived after sitting out that year that they I, are just so much more comfortable.
2: I got a thought on this.
1: I'm waiting for it. Fire away. So AJ. this is
2: definitely your wheelhouse more than mine, if with all due respect and and you've been a great mentor to me in the last 8 months I've known you. I feel like this is Papa Black talking okay if if i was this young man and i sort of have been uh you ain't telling me anything i i want to go out there when i want to go out there and uh i'm always a foot to the pedal type of guy i would hate this if i was him why uh because if i want to play i want to play like (sighs) i like to me to me i can't stand sitting out. I can't stand being on the sidelines. I, I got to go. I don't care how what's going on, how rough things are. If I'm ready, if I want to get out there, I don't want anybody holding me back. And I'm not saying that I'm right, but I do think you and me are coming from two different perspectives and who knows which one is right or not. Probably, you probably could be right. But I, don't know I, I think this is actual... Daddy Black
1: talk. It is, but I, and I don't know if there's an actual right to it or not, but let me throw... The other bugaboo at you. And he's probably the wrong guy to be using his example because I do think he's had some issues. And it probably is best for him to be back home. But, look, AJ, he's been at Virginia Tech. He's been at George Washington. He's been at Oklahoma. At at some point, I really want these guys and gals, and it just doesn't get as much notoriety, to plow through it one time. To fight through, you know, and he's had more than a speed bump. He's the wrong example in this case. But at the first sign of something going wrong, they've moved on somewhere else so that instantly they can play right away again. So him aside,
2: you want accountability for these players that are not trying to, that are trying to always find the better spot. I, I, I respect
1: Yes, and let's remember, this will be their third school already when this happens. Let's take Joe Pamasil out of the equation. I think he's a great guy. I know of him. I don't know him. I Like I said, Richmond was interested in him. They spoke extremely highly of him. I'm glad he's back home at, at VCU. But let's again remember, for anybody who is putting a waiver in, this is at least their third school in four or five years, right? Because it's the school they originally committed to. Then they transfer once and they can play right away, and now something's gone wrong again, and they're going to a third school and they want to play right away again for the second time. And I think it's some, I think at some point, AJ, you just got to say enough is enough. It's hurting the game. It's hurting the programs. I'm using the word program specifically and not team because there's now a differentiation between each basketball team every year and a basketball program and I've I've used that a 100 times already so not that's to, all I'm saying I'm not it. taking wait I'm not taking their total freedom of movement away at all I'm fine with that first one I'm even fine with the second one if there's a you know overwhelming legitimate reason and the NCAA says you know what he really did need to make this move and a coaching change to me would would open that door by the way uh, not not in the like the Oklahoma coach stayed the same the VCU coach changed that one that wouldn't be the way to go on this but if there was a coaching change and they wanted to leave I get that one too you so it's
2: funny I, case by case like same thing with the NBA it, 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 I agree with you in some cir- circumstances and others not so much and who where's their line I you, the, it seems like the genie is out of the box for both rules
1: well, on this one, I think that's what they're doing here. They are taking them case by case. And in this case, if I was the NCAA and Joe Bamasil had presented that case to me, I would have total sympathy and empathy for him, and I am glad he is back home. But I'm going to say, Joe, you tried it your way three times, and it it hasn't worked. Let's try it our way this time. Take a year. That's what I'm saying. I, I <laughs> Again, I don't know all the particulars of the case, but that that you're right. Maybe I'm I'm by the way, I'm proud to be Papa Black, by the way. I, I have no problem. I said that with all respect. I know. Well, that's that's fine. There's there's no more joy in life than being a parent and having your kids be successful and be in society and be doing, you know, the right things. And having good life, so I'm I'm happy. If you want to put me in that chair as Papa Black, I I'm taking I'm definitely taking that one. All right, I know it's five fourteen already, but I, Reggie's chopping at the bit here. Let me get him in, and then w- once again, you'll do your great all star job. This is why we don't let you take too many days off in a row, AJ, because that would be load management, and you'll figure it out so we get back on track. Hello, Reggie. <laughs> I love it.
3: Load management on the bike. I love it. Great job, love. <laughs> You you know, tell the brother, come on down to Virginia Union State. We'll look out
1: for him. There you go. Reggie, you just, there you go. If he could have done that, you are absolutely right. He could have played at Virginia State or Virginia Union right away. He can make that transfer from D1 to D2, and he would have played right away. You're 100% correct.
3: He couldn't even play Randolph Macon. I think Macon's defending his national chance in the back. Right, but there there's of. a
1: difference Reggie, Reggie, there I know you're you're a little bit tongue in cheek there, but there's a difference there. There's no scholarship at Randolph Macon. He could still get a scholarship. D two gives scholarships. He could he could have gone to union or, or state. Yeah,
3: yeah. But the main reason I called real quick was about the Jim Charter lawsuit against the NFL and uh, our favorite is Jerry Jones and Mr. Cooler. Now, you know yourself, Bob, and the years you've been in media, a lot of these uh, NFL and these big-time meetings with the owners are secretive. No no media is nowhere involved. Why do I think this is Daniel Snyder, all hands ended somewhere with stuff being leaked? Something tells me that Mr. Snyder, or a former coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, might have leaked some information to this, uh, should we say, plaintiff, and his document is also a public record. Something tells me that um, old Danny Boy is very upset. At the end of closing, the owner's got sixty million dollars of his billion. Sixty million. not one million, not two, but sixty million. You don't think Dan Stein is still hot about that?
1: <laughs> I do, um, Reggie. I would love to. <laughs> I, I would love to dive more into this story. And I will admit to you, I saw the headlines. But I didn't get into it deep enough to find out it's what fine. exactly, other than the the discrimination allegation that, that's out there from Jim Trotter. I don't know enough yet. Uh, I don't want to speak out of turn. That's that's for sure. You
3: know, just, I'm but, telling you, sixty million dollars. It has a lot of NFL owners nervous, and Dan decided just to get the to screw the screws to him. If you think that he's going away, and the NFL is smart, so those billions dollars you make. Go ahead and drop twenty or thirty mil to Mr. Trotter rather than have an open court and being embarrassed by some of your statements being leaked. All
1: right, so that's that's the gist of this case. I I I get it. It's it's a a discrimination case, right, by this NFL reporter.
3: Yes, there's a lot more than that, but I'm just saying NFL to be smart, you better go ahead and settle because you don't want an open court.
1: Let me read up on it a little bit more, and that that'll be it. All of a sudden, we've got some heavy topics today. You know, I just, like I, what's that? It's AJ? your fault.
3: I, it's your fault. That's <laughs> the number one after the sports show. You <laughs> want to talk show? You got it. It's your fault. I just want <laughs> to know why same, Reggie. Why did Reggie? kids graduation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's that, AJ? Why did
2: Reggie come on to the show and speak Lord Voldemont's name?
3: What can I Why would you do that, Reggie?
1: He's dead. We killed him.
3: I can't help myself. I just can't help myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Blame it on me, Reggie. I got thick skin. I can take it. I could take it. Yes,
3: sir. Uh, sir. I'll get into
1: it more. I promise. We'll get into that more. Thanks, Reg. Appreciate it. Uh, We're rolling here. Already, almost getting close to 20 after 5. All right, let's catch up a little bit here, AJ, and uh, tell our fine audience what we got coming up.
0: These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines.
1: Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not confident in your heating and cooling provider, switch to James River Air. You can save up to 30% online at James River Air. Com. We've been consumed by two overriding stories today. The denial of the waiver at VCU for Joe Bamaseal to play immediately. And the NBA putting new guidelines in place to limit load management. Haven't even gotten to the Aaron Rodgers story today. Obviously, the Jets appear to be in the market for a veteran quarterback. Could be anybody from Colin Kaepernick to Carson Wentz to Nick Foles Jacobi to Marcus Brissette. Mariota to Jacoby Brissett, whose name has been thrown out there. You may me not that be, you may not be that wrong AJ he might be a starting quarterback in the NFL it's just not going to be for the burgundy and gold it could be for the green and white of the jets then you can tell us you told us so So all of those are headline stories today. And the Braves get their first shot at clinching the NL East with a win in Philadelphia tonight. 625 airtime, 640 game time. Spencer Strider, a pretty good guy to have out there looking to clinch it uh, for the Braves. Obviously, it's a foregone conclusion, but they would like to have that first champagne celebration tonight if they can finish off the Phils. More college football talk coming up at 530. Mike Burnham from the Virginia Tech Sports Network, the Hall of Fame Hokie, will join us. We'll talk about everything that went on last week in the... A long delayed game and the eventual loss to Purdue, and then heading to play Rutgers this week. We head to a break back after a timeout. 1061 ESPN.
0: This weekend, the Spiders return home as they host Delaware State in a battle of arthropods and insects. Catch all the action beginning Saturday afternoon at 3 here on 1061 ESPN, your home of the Richmond Spiders in the capital city.
1: more things on the ncaa joe bamaseal thing today and then i'm going to leave it alone i think i've spoken my piece on it um, for quite some time now i do think i misspoke i think i said he originally committed to northeastern he actually first committed at least according to the times dispatch story to northwestern uh, that's a big difference by the way uh, geographically conference wise level of play all of that so so out of high school and he went to St. Chris, he went to Monacan, he went to Monteverdi Academy down in Florida. Uh, he committed to Northwestern, not Northeastern, and then eventually wound up signing with Virginia Tech, and then GW, and then Oklahoma. And now VCU. And just for kicks, I went back to the uh, the Spider schedule from the year he had the big year at George Washington. And he had a big game <laughs> against Richmond. Uh, he had 29 against the spiders although richmond won the game that was richmond's ncaa year a couple of years back um when they when they won the 8-10 championship and beat iowa uh, went to the second round of the ncaa tournament but in the game at gw which richmond did win joe bamas played almost the entire game and had 29 points 11 of 22 from the floor three three-pointers four for four at the free throw line seven rebounds um so look whether he plays this year or next year he, he's likely to make a big shot or two against the Spiders, and people say, ah, I told you, Black, told you. Um, that's really not the point of this, but just thought I'd lighten it up just a little bit there. But he did have a great year um, for GW in 21-22. All right, 526 on the Sports Out. I'll, I'll leave that topic alone for a while. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what the NCA does with, with any kind of appeal. I would certainly get it if if they overturned the waiver rejection and allowed him to play, but I certainly would stand by the NCAA and its original decision. That That's the side that I'm falling on on this one. While I would get it, uh, I wouldn't approve necessarily. I, I approve of what they've done in this situation um, for the reasons that I articulated in the last couple of segments.
2: Either so. way, welcome back, kid.
1: Who, Joe Bama still back to Richmond? Yep. Yeah. I, I I don't think I'm giving any inside info here, but I really think it w- he was coming back, and he was either going to play as a Richmond Spider or he was going to play as a VCU ramp. and I think that's a good thing. We want him back home. You know, whether he had issues or not, you like keeping the local guys local. So I'm, I'm glad he's back, uh, as, as you just said. All right, Uh, we'll be back in a moment. Mike Burnup from the Virginia Tech Radio Network is going to join us. We'll talk about everything that happened with the Hokies this weekend in the game against Purdue with the lengthy delay and a 24-17 win for the Boilermakers scoring about midway through the fourth quarter to break that 17-17 tie and win it. And now Tech at 1-1 heads to Rutgers this weekend. Uh, Mike Burnup, always one of my favorite guests, will join us next on the Sports Auto.
0: Think we can safely say the Braves will take the NL East. Now it's time for them to wrap up the league's best record with plenty of critical matchups still remaining. Hear all the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Your home for the Atlanta Braves.
1: get into some more college football talk in our last half hour of this afternoon's program. Bob Black back with you, Sports Huddle, 1061 ESPN here in Richmond. Let's talk some Hokie football this time around, coming off uh, really a wild day in uh, Blacksburg and at Lane Stadium and Purdue coming back to win 24-17 over the Hokies and the long delay, the long weather delay and everything that got involved there. Let's find out some more about all of that. Mike Burnham from the Virginia Tech Sports Network work the Hokie Hall of Famer joins us this afternoon hello Mike how are you I'm doing
4: well Bob how about you
1: doing okay uh what was it like sitting through that delay I think that was so much one of the the headline topics of what happened Saturday afternoon that was you know a long long delay and how it impacted and affected the game and both teams Mike
4: well I think first and foremost they kind of lost the atmosphere because with the delay, the team did not come out to enter Sandman. They were already on the field. Uh, some of the people had already left. And then, uh, you know, you play that five or six minutes of the first quarter, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got another delay, and then you're gone for five and a half hours. Phew. So, wow. uh, you know, the crowd it was a sellout crowd became like maybe less than, a lot less than what you'd see in spring game. Maybe five to seven thousand people were there. Wow. So, that, that was kind of crazy. And then, you know, it's Then you worry about what's going to happen. I mean, the rain was coming down so hard. It looked like pictures of a hurricane, what you see in a hurricane. I mean, the flags were on in, couldn't hardly see the east stands. Uh, The rain was going sideways and up and down, and it was just coming down. The field was just totally covered with water. Mm. And so it was nuts. And then, you know, you you wonder if the field's going to be playable. Mm -hmm. Then you wonder, you know, what do you do about the players? Because they got to eat. At some point, I mean, they're ready for the postgame meal, and here it is. You know, their pregame meal is at 8 a.m. So then you got to worry about hydrating them and what do you do with them? So it was a hot mess, to say the least. And, um, you know, the Hokies got off to a bad start down 17. They crawled their way back in it. And, uh, you know, I think they kind of, the defense kind of ran out of gas in that fourth quarter drive when they had that long, long drive and they couldn't stop them. And um, that kind of proved to be the ball game.
1: Mike, was there ever any serious discussion or conversation about postponing the game, about saying, look, let's just come back tomorrow and, and play or, or finish the game? I actually participated you know, as a broadcaster in one of those way back in the day where they really did that because the field didn't drain. Now, I know Lane Stadium drained really well, as it turned out, but was there ever any conversation about doing that?
4: Well, I think both coaches definitely wanted to play the game if they could. Uh-huh. It was just a matter of uh, taking in consideration the safety of the players you know first and foremost and so <clears throat> that was the main thing and then you know the the when they when they redid lane stadium way back years ago they put put these trays in and these trays are sand based and they they drain really really well and then you have this uh, vacuum cleaner this giant vacuum that sucks the water from underneath the field hmm. and so once the rain stopped they hooked the vacuum up they got it out there that sucked all the water out of the field and really you never saw a grass stain. Never saw anybody slip once they resumed the game at six fifteen. So wow. you know the field was in great shape.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the game a little bit. You alluded to the fact that Purdue jumped to that lead at seventeen nothing, and I know that has something to do with this. But eleven yards rushing, Mike. Uh, I realize yeah. there are only like twenty carries or so because you, you did pass the ball a lot more. What What do you do offensively
4: about eleven yards rushing? Well, you got to get better. I mean, there's no doubt you can't survive doing that. It's just not uh, It's not sustainable. So, you know, the offensive line has got to do a better job. Uh, they got to get a little more creative as coaches, you know, in terms of spreading the field. You know, you think about what Old Dominion did. They went sideline to sideline, uh, which forced you to cover those guys on the outside, which left the middle, you know, basically four or five guys on four or five guys. And, you know, some, you do it by formation. You do it by motion. Uh, you do it by your scheme. Uh, maybe get the tight ends more involved out in the flats. Uh, but they got to be able to run the ball and have some success loosening up defenses because you cannot live and die by the pass alone.
1: Well, how about the pass? Grant Wells goes, what, 16 of 33, throws a couple touchdown passes, almost 250 <clears throat> yards. The blemishes, obviously, a couple of interceptions and three three sacks. What did you, what did you see from him uh, passing the football?
4: Well, just like against Old Dominion, Bob, you think about it. The quarterback gets too much credit, too much blame, right? uh So he's got three touchdowns against Old Dominion. He looked great. No turnovers. Everything is beautiful, right? But then he comes out here, wide receiver runs the wrong route on one of the interceptions, and the second one gets tipped. So are those his fault? You know, well, he's going to get the blame for it. Hmm. So he didn't play that bad. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things. When you have no running game and you're just forced to just – Throw the ball, it's going to be a little more difficult. And then, how about (laughs) Kyron Jones has to come in there at the eight or nine yard line Mm -hmm. late in the game because Grant took that low shot? And, you know, for him, talk about pressure now. Here you're down by seven, you're sitting there at the eight or nine yard line, you got 90 yards of real estate in front of him, you need a touchdown to tie. You know, he threw that great pass to right, had a nice run with his legs, but then he ended up with four incompletions. But I think it showed a little bit about what he's made of. So he's going to get a lot of reps this week, obviously, with Grant banged up a little bit. And uh, we'll see, you know, how the treatment goes for Grant uh, heading into Saturday.
1: All right. What about Saturday? How, what do you think of the bounce-back ability of this team, uh, Mike? Because, you know, that was a long day, and it didn't end in a victory and, and all of that, and now you got to head up to Rutgers.
4: Yeah, it's not going to be easy uh, by any stretch. Rutgers' his defense is really talented you know, Shiano does a great job with that team, uh, those coaches. Uh, And so, you know, there's a history between he and, obviously, Brent Pry. You know, their defense is really stout. They're going to come after you. They're going to attack you. Uh, They're stingy. You know, they've only given up a total of 14 points. You know, now, albeit it's against Northwestern, who you have to question their motivation for playing football this year with everything that went on Mm -hmm. in that locker room and the coach and the, the hazing and all that. You know, how excited are they to play? And then Temple, you don't know how good they are. But, you know, you sit there and they scored 23 points in the fourth quarter, did Rutgers to beat Temple. So I think clearly this is the best team Shiano is going to see on the season, too. And they got to be maybe thinking, looking ahead to Michigan a little bit next week. So, you know, I think the Hokies need to do what Purdue did. You know, Brent Proud talked about that, Bob. He said, you know what, Purdue – they got lost to tough in the Fresno State. They're going to come in here with a chip in their shoulder. And they got off to a great start, scored those 17 straight points, picked mm-hmm. the defense apart. And, um, you know, I think that's what the Hokies' mindset has to be. Hey, we got to get back on track because they knew they had to come out of this non-conference schedule. If you want to have a good year, you know, you're hoping to be 4-0, 3-1 at the worst. Now you're sitting there 1-1. Mm-hmm.
1: How much of that do you think starts on the defensive side? I just think, you know, the defensive mentality can kind of exude that chip on the shoulder, maybe even a little bit better than the offense.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, they can set the tone, surely, and they weren't able to do that against Purdue the other day. And, you know, and then it got to be the point where the offense couldn't move the ball, and so the defense was on the field. I mean, time of possession, Bob, was 16 minutes. I I mean, think about it. It's longer than a quarter, right? So... I mean, they did some good things in the game. They only had three penalties. You know, they, they did some nice stuff in there. But, gosh, you can't lose the turnover battle. That's the one stat that's going to get you every time. They scored seven points off that interception, and you lose by seven. I mean, it's not rocket science. You've got to protect the ball, play clean, and you've got to make some plays and play complementary football. And they did not do that against Purdue.
1: Yeah, and it does say, sometimes time of possession can be deceiving. You know that as well as anybody, but it doesn't sound like it in this case. And I guess the other number, you know, I would look at is the two for 12 on third down. If you want to keep oh, the yeah. ball in your hands, you better you better be a little more successful than that. How much of that was third down, Mike? And uh, co- coaches all the time point to third down as a result of first and second down.
4: Oh, that's it, because you get behind the, the sticks and you're in trouble. You know, the longer it is, the harder it is to convert, And that's what the Hokies found a few times. They got themselves behind the sticks. They were in trouble. And, uh, you know, it's a tougher ass to get a third-down conversion. So, yeah, 2 of 12 is not good enough. You know, last week they were uh, 50%. This week they're 2 of 12. And, you know, you look at Purdue, they were 7 of 17. They did much, much better on the money down.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, finishing up with Mike Burnup here from Virginia Tech Sports Network. You, you alluded to this, and that's the the pre the non-conference schedule, uh, Mike. So you got two to go here, right, Rutgers and, and Marshall. And you mentioned it, you know, if you can get these two, you can get out of this thing three and one. Do you kind of call this, you know, crossroads part of the schedule, even though it's still September and it's this early and you haven't even played an ACC game yet?
4: Well, I think the, the, the thing was try to set the tone for the season, mm-hmm. try to get some confidence, try to get some momentum. A lot of young guys on that team, you know, see if you can kind of just uh, get going in the right direction. And now, you know, you face adversity at home, you lose a home game, which you never expect to lose, and that's been, you know, all too common here the last few years. And so now you got to go on the road for two, and they've drawn great crowds. Both of their home games, they've had great crowds. This is three in a row for them at home so you know it's not the most ideal situation so yeah you wanted to get out of there with a lot of confidence and so this is a big game for him in terms of that and having to go on the road next week to marshall
1: yeah absolutely great bounce back opportunity for the uh for the Hokies this week up there in Piscataway uh Mike as always appreciated thanks uh, safe travels up there and uh hope you guys come back with a W
4: I right, appreciate it Bob always good to be on with you take care of yourself
1: all right, thank you, Mike. Mike Barnup, Virginia Tech uh, Sports Network. He'll be on the call with Bill Roth uh, of that game at Rutgers. It's a three thirty game on on uh Saturday afternoon up there. And I mean he does make some good points and I, I would say that they are a little bit at the crossroads of their season here. Um, if they don't get, you know, at least one of these two, and maybe even both of them, it's gonna be tough getting into ACC play for Virginia Tech. They go Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest. And, you know, Syracuse after that at home, which is off to a good start. But, you know, who knows yet on them. Uh, Louisville, much improved, it seems, this year as well. So this is not going to get any easier. And you would like to get into ACC play on the heels of a couple of victories to give you, you know, a little bit of a push moving forward. So that's one to really keep an eye on this weekend, which is the Virginia Tech at – at Rutgers game this weekend. I'm just looking at some of the others. We already mentioned the Delaware State-Richmond game. William Mary's on the road at Charleston Southern this weekend. Uh, Old Dominion's got Wake Forest at home. That could be an intriguing game. Wake's off to another good start. Going to be another good team there at Old Dominion. Uh, Monarch's coming off a win, so they'll feel better. Uh, Liberty's off to a good start. Uh, They play at Buffalo on on Saturday, so there's uh, another one to kind of take a look at as well. All right, let's get a break in here, uh, and we'll come back with the final segment of our show already for this afternoon. We've kind of rolled through this thing, and we'll do that in one more segment when we come back after a timeout. Uh, AJ's pushing the buttons, Bob Black with you, hosting remotely on a Wednesday afternoon, and we'll take it home for you after a timeout. 1061 ESPN.
0: Spiders, well, you've got them. 1061 ESPN is your exclusive radio home for all things Spiders athletics in the River City all year long.
1: Let's finish it up here on a Wednesday afternoon. Only for a couple of minutes had I alluded to the Aaron Rodgers injury and the impact and what are they going to do for a quarterback. For the time being, the Jets are going with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. It's not going to help them this week against the Cowboys. What's the line now? Nine. The combination of no Aaron Rodgers for the Jets and the Cowboys coming off a 40 to nothing victory has given us, I'm going to venture to say, the widest uh, point spread in the league this week. I'm scrolling quickly. The Niners are eight-point favorites on the Rams, and I think that's it. So nine is, well, I take that back. How about that? The Bills, shockingly enough, at home and on the heels of that loss, are nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Raiders. Huh?
2: That's weird.
1: That is weird, isn't it? You know I don't follow this that closely. You and Matt much more so. That's a little weird, isn't it? Uh, I guess they felt that was just a an aberration by Josh Allen and company. I don't know. That's
2: uh, so they, weird, I may
1: play it. They are. I, I, I wouldn't blame you. That They're nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Raiders who won their first game over the Broncos who are now three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Commanders. Far be it from me to question all of this because those guys and gals in Las Vegas, they know way more than I do. That's why the chandeliers are so nice in Vegas. They
2: seem to make a lot of money off Garoppolo. That's one thing I do know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So now there's this this outcry amongst players all over the league that's not new either, but they certainly want uh, MetLife to rip up the artificial turf and put grass down, and they want all fields in the NFL now to go back to natural grass, which I agree with. I In this day and age, with technology the way it is, you even heard Mike up talking about what they do at Lane Stadium now with the drainage system and all of that. Um, I, I think you could do that so that you would have a better playing surface.
2: I hated turf.
1: Yeah, I, I, most players do. There's no, uh, you know, uh, the famous line came from the, the former uh, Phillies kind of controversial player from way back in the day when AstroTurf was just starting out, and it was called AstroTurf. Richie Allen, Dick Allen, who played for the Phillies and the White Sox and a couple of other teams, was asked about it, and he said, if a horse can't eat it, I'm not playing on it. (laughs) you ever fall on it? Which, I, I, yes, I have. And, I mean, Robin Stadium still has the turf, and I, I wish that they could do something and put, put grass down there as well. Um, and, I, you know, what's interesting, A.J., about that, and I'm kind of drawing uh, a wide parallel here, but we go to Michigan State Saturday, and a lot of our conversation before the game and after the game was about playing in that stadium, 70,000 people and all that. But I had more than one player who said, you know what was great about Michigan Stadium? The grass surface. They had the best grass field that I've played on. You know, that – so to a player, that's more important probably than 70,000 people in the stands is having a safe and solid footing and, you know, it's softer, less likely of an injury. I think, especially in the NFL with all the money they have, um, and it would create more jobs, wouldn't it? We'd have more groundskeeping jobs if they did that. But I do think it would it would protect the players more. I would keep the star players on the field more. So, you know, and look, um, Robert Sala, uh, uh, I think he kind of had to say this, but he doesn't believe that Rodgers is done. Um, I, I'm not so sure about that. He uh, He's 39. He's about to be 40, which means he'd be 41 before he really comes back. This thing's going to take a year to come back and who knows what type of condition uh, he will be. in? it's one of the hardest injuries to respond from at any age, let alone at that age. I'd say the, the, the hardest, the hardest. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think you're wrong about that at all. So uh, I think that's good. I know he doesn't want to go out that way. I get it. And I say it all the time in sports, not every ending is storybook. We like them when they are storybook endings, but not everyone is, and this might this might be one of them. You know, the other team this impacted is Green Bay, because part of this deal was they were getting a first round pick if he played. I think sixty five percent of the snaps, which that's not going to happen now. So now they only get a second round pick um, from the Jets instead of instead of a first round pick. So they were they were certainly rooting for him to play week in and week out. And that's not going to happen now. So this impacted more than this impacted the whole league. I mean, he's obviously one of the, the faces of the the National Football League. Love him or hate him. And I think everybody wanted to see if he could do it one more time with the Jets. And now that's, that's not going to happen. I don't know where the Jets turn. I, I get that in the short term they're, they're going to give Zach Wilson – the chance i think that's good for their locker room obviously it's good for zach wilson but we'll see they start losing some games uh where will they turn they've made some calls already out there i think i'm you know i I know colin kaepernick wants to come back at all but uh, you need somebody who's like game ready right now and i'm just not sure that's your answer i think you need a guy who's probably been in training camp somewhere or or at least within the last year has been playing, meaning guys like Nick Foles and, and Carson Wentz, um, and then some of the backups around the league who might be available for a you know a price like a Jacoby Brissett or a Marcus Mariota. Guys like that would probably help them a little bit more. But I don't blame uh, Robert Sala for sticking with his backup right now for at least giving J- him another Jets shot. fans do. I know they do. I know. I mean, I, and I haven't really looked on all the Jets and New York papers and, and sites. Is there, like, a prevailing guy that they want? There's not an obvious name, is there?
2: Uh, You know, there's people pretending that it's going to be Tom Brady, hopefully. Oh, the, a lot of people on. think That's Jacoby not... Brissett. They're mainly saying anyone but Carson Wentz.
1: Oh, come on. Right. I, well, I don't blame him for that. I wouldn't go Carson Wentz either. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the Tom Brady thing, come on. That's no wishful way. thinking. Yeah. No way. No way. That's the way we're ending this show. That's for sure. All right, music's playing. I mean, time for us to get out of here. The Braves baseball on just a little bit at 625 in Philadelphia. Their first shot at clinching the NL East for a sixth consecutive year. Thanks to our guests this afternoon. You just heard from Mike Burnham talking some Virginia Tech football. Dave Rigert, the 4 o'clock hour, talking some JMU football. In studio tomorrow with Sean Robertson from CBS 6. Uh, So we're looking forward to doing that. We'll have a feel-good Thursday edition of the Sports Huddle tomorrow afternoon. AJ, I know you're out for the next couple days. Have a good weekend, long weekend. Uh, I know it's a work-related weekend, and we'll get back with you at the beginning of next week. Great job, as always, this afternoon. All right, uh, we'll do it all over again tomorrow. We'll talk to you from studio at 4 o'clock tomorrow with the next Sports Huddle right here, 106. Troy is not better my than My doctor
2: told me my cholesterol is boring.